Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy and an elite ball progressor, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> I mean, relatively in comparison to the rest of the, the midfield, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> uh, th- this uh, this episode's going to be an absolute barrel of laughs, isn't it? Can't bloody wait to get stuck into it. <laughs> We're going to make you feel all right. We're going to make it... Oh, maybe not, actually. No, never mind. We, yeah, I don't think we are. But um, it is what it is. And we have to just uh, have to just ride with it, I guess. Um, we'll work through it. We'll, we'll process it, Wendy. Yeah, the thing is, I do... This is how I feel better about things, Spurs-wise. Like, just... I, I like to talk about it and process it. Um, after the game, actually, I said on the Discord, like everyone should just get outside, go for a walk. It's really nice outside. Go and chill and do something different to distract yourself. And then I went for a walk. And whilst I was walking, I was on the Discord discussing the game, mm-hmm. which was kind of counterproductive. But I did feel better afterwards. Um, before we get stuck in, just want to um, very quickly send some love to Sean Walsh from the Oh What a Night podcast, who's going through a, a pretty tough time at the moment. Um, and Sean is just such a funny, smart voice on Spurs. I yeah. really, really enjoy listening to him and reading his tweets. Uh, he's he's a lovely person also. So I just wanted to send some positive vibes his way. Um, on Patreon this week, Bardi, you released uh, Bardi's Book Club episode. Yeah, it was great fun. I sat down with Ewan and we chatted, chatted about his um, his book, We Are Sunday League. Um, we spoke about the, the very Britishness of Sunday League football what it means to get up and run around a muddy pitch, um, refereeing decisions, the and the kind of growing up in, in 90s North London as well, which was quite a difficult place to grow up in if you were a Spurs fan. It's not so, well, up until this weekend, it was a nice place to be if you were a Spurs fan, then things changed a little <laughs> bit. But uh, yeah, it was nice. We were of similar age and it was nice to share similar um, memories and, and thoughts on football. So um, go check it out if you're a patron, obviously. Nice. So this is Ewan Flynn, who writes regularly for our newsletter also. He's a fantastic writer. He has an incredible memory for detail, which I am very envious of. Especially... Um, bad moments of our history like he could recount like the 94 95 um, team he knows all their squad numbers off by heart he's written some amazing stuff on George Graham being one of our most successful managers and the like yeah he he loves he loves a bit of misery <laughs> so that's why you two are so perfectly matched <laughs> uh, yeah Ewan's great really appreciate him um let's just let's just get it over and done with let's pull the plaster off uh a thrashing at the hands of Crystal Palace Bloody hell, that was tough work to watch. Um, and I sort of feel like we should discuss this. You can always discuss it in two ways, like as a whole, a 3-0 thrashing, which was really depressing, or like as a part before the sending off. Yeah. Because so. it, it was also really depressing, albeit in a slightly different way. Um, okay, so what we know is a couple of very damning statistics from Opta Joe. Our two shots was our lowest in a Premier League game since August 2005 against Blackburn. And to be honest, I think the second shot, which was a Lucas header, I think he was trying to play on to Kane. I've watched it back a couple of times and it doesn't look like he's actually going for goal. I think he sees Kane making a run and he's trying to head it on. So the other shot was the one where Lucas went on a mazy dribble outside the box and um, hit it straight at Guaita. And the other statistic is that for the very first time in his Premier League career, Tottenham's Harry Kane had neither a shot nor a touch in the opposition's box in a game where he completed the full 90 minutes. Should have taken the cash, mate. <laughs> uh, we're definitely going to talk about Kane a fair bit. So there's been <laughs> um, six matches 
where or six matches where Kane's had two touches or fewer and zero shots. Three of them were against Man City. One was against Liverpool, one was against Everton, and one was against Crystal Palace. And that is pretty, pretty damning and pretty miserable. Um, I'm also intrigued by Nuno's post-match comments. So here's what Nuno said after the game. We just look at the game, so we had a lot of obstacles during the game to overcome. It was not easy for the boys today, but in the first half, I think we were in control of the game. We didn't create too much, but didn't allow too much also. Correction, Nuno. Seven shots, four of which were inside the box, none to us. So both teams were in the game, but like you said, the team losing a player and all these things, but I think we overcame that, and at halftime we spoke, and the perspective was to improve in the second half, but it didn't happen. And then he was asked, was the lack of creativity and attacking threats a concern for you? He said, it is a big concern. We had enough quality and talent to play better. We didn't do it. Credit to Palace. They were aggressive and they didn't allow too much time on the ball. We lost duels. Many, many situations that I think we should do much better. In terms of offensive, much improvement is required. <sighs> I mean, I found the performance pretty offensive. Bardi, huh. what, were your, what were your feelings about this horrendous match? I mean, I don't know where to begin. Um, on Saturday after the game, I was in the garden and I was throwing a tennis ball for my puppy to chase. And as I threw the tennis ball, she then got distracted by something else and then got distracted by something else. She didn't know even she didn't know what to do or where to start. And I'm kind of like that with this game. Do you start by going after the midfield? Do we start by going after Kane? Do we start by by realising that um, Lucas's kind of moments of dribbling maziness is... Is our kind of way of attacking now, or do we go after our defence, or do we go after Ben Davies? I don't know where to start, or maybe we just scrap this and just say this is this is what happens when you have players running off for international duty, and you don't know how you're going to get them back in time, and you then have a youngster whose the whole defence was built upon, upon Tanganga. If you look at it, and you have him lose his mind, and nobody, Harry Kane, our, our leader. Didn't wasn't was unable to calm him down. You see, I, I I don't know what to start with, so I'm gonna step back and let you guys pick which discussion topic we go after. Because, like Nuno, I'm a little bit lost with this game. I don't know where to start. Mm, I get it. I completely get it. There's so many issues, so many issues, and I think a lot of them are of Nuno's own making. If I'm completely honest, and Tottenham, uh, and Tottenham in general, we 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 laid the blame at the club last week about players going off and playing for their their international duty, and so Tottenham are partly to blame as this as well. And Harry Kane being that disinterested and that just lumbering around and not pressing and Delhi having to almost cover him is is another factor that we that we need to think about. So so I would say I agree with you that we were massively at um, a disadvantage with three players missing for, for quarantine reasons. But that said, we still had a better 11 out than Palace by some distance. In my opinion, we've got more talented 11 than Palace by this a is, distance. But this has been a factor of Tottenham over the last two years that we keep thinking we've got a better 11. But, but do we? Are Winks... Is Winks that good? Is Schoeberg that good in the role he's currently playing in? I'm not sure. Is, they're, they're, they're better than Kiate and MacArthur. In my opinion, they're better than <laughs> Kiate and MacArthur. Yeah, but sometimes, sometimes you have to just appreciate the other team has just got a better system, a better setup, and a better way of playing that yep. almost overcome <laughs> almost overcomes our individual talent, especially when you're missing Sun. And Spurs have Spurs have been this club that have just swung a big axe at, at, at teams and has been able to knock them over. But with Kane not interested and Son missing, it's it's pretty weak first eleven. So Nathan, let's do some let's do some tactical dabbling. Um, this was quite an interesting match tactically because Spurs changed it up a little bit. We so this is how I saw it. You can feel free to correct me if um, if you think I'm wrong. So we had our back four, we had our three in midfield, and then rather than having uh, a player left, a player right, and Kane down the middle, uh, we had Lucas playing a sort of half-and-half half role between a striker and a right-sided winger, and then Delhi playing... So so I think when we didn't have the ball, Delhi was playing at the tip of the midfield. He was stopping the pass into Kiate, like Lucas was stopping the pass into MacArthur. And when we did have the ball, Delhi was sort of asked to then cover out on the left. So his his role was again use your legs, use your use your incredible stamina and and physical attributes and cover two roles. And my thinking, I think the thinking behind that was we don't need to worry too much about Joel Ward. Palace, Palace is right back; he's not very good, but we do need to worry about Zaha. And it allowed you know with Winks on Gallagher and Skip kind of either side of uh, Benteke, it allowed Huibier to keep an eye on Zaha a little bit more. Um, but I didn't like the system at all. I mean, as, as soon as I saw that midfield, 
I didn't think we'd win the game, to be honest. Nathan, what did you see and why why were we doing what we did? Um, what were we doing? Well, okay, so just on the formation, like I, I just saw it as like a, a mix between a 4-3-3 and a, and a diamond and, and that we switched it up between and it was kind of fluid and I don't think it needs like a, a great debate on sure. <laughs> what it officially counts as or what it goes down on paper as. Um, for me, I don't feel... Um, extremely strongly about this game, to be honest. Um, so Nuno won manager of the month for his performances, 3-1-0 wins. And, and, um, up until the red card, this was, I think, quite in line with what we saw yeah. against Wolves and quite in line with what we saw against Watford. This yeah. is, this is the way that, that his teams kind of play, you know? Um, obviously, um, massively hampered by, a bunch of players been out for a bunch of different reasons. Um, and that bringing us down to the point where we're, we're literally creating nothing, nothing at all. Um, but stylistically, it, it is, it's, it's very much just the same performances. Obviously, the, the city performance was good, uh, impressive in, in all of the, all of the context. But, um, but I, I don't care too much about what happens after the red card because it's not, too relevant for what happens next week or the week after mm-hmm. and what happened before the red card was 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 bad but not quite as horrendous as it feels now looking back because hmm. because i think like if you think about like the watford game if you take 60 minutes of like oh mm, this isn't great and then maybe we push a bit more at the end and we get a couple of good subs on and then we get a late one nil winner and it's you know, another one nil to the Tottenham and it's a very different thing. And I think that we think feel very differently about the opening sixty minutes if we come away with a win, basically. So um yeah, I'm not I'm not like completely thrown off by this. Um I, I talked about this on the previous episode a bit, I think, but it's like there are a lot of mitigating circumstances with with this result, especially obviously the red card. I'm, I'm fully buying into, but but prior to the sending off, the the mitigating circumstances of it's it's early under Nuno and new players still haven't come in and a bunch of players out for this specific game and all of those kind of things and all of those are totally relevant and and worthwhile to go into. Um, <clears throat> but this is this is kind of what Nuno's football is like sometimes, like. I mean, the thing is that, like, every manager is going to have <laughs> bad games, right? We want to talk about, like, attacking, entertaining football, free-flowing football. That's the promise. That's what the conversation is kind of about at the moment is, like, where is this entertaining, free-flowing football? It's like, if we brought, some- brought someone in who, like, absolutely does, like, Pochettino, right? If you think about Pochettino, like, yeah, he played entertaining, attacking, free-flowing football, if that- or if that's what you think of it as. But, like, if you go back to his first season, they were tough games, there were struggles like because like okay attacking is partly a stylistic thing right this is a manager who wants to seem to keep the ball this is a manager who pushes players forward this is a manager who picks attacking players but also attacking is like your team are being successful in having the ball when they want to have the ball your team are being successful in getting into the final third want to be in the final third. your team are successful in scoring goals and you want to score, score goals so like there's an extent to which attacking just means good and there's hmm. an extent to which attacking is like stylistic. So like, even if we bring someone in who stylistically is very attacking, they can still have terrible games where they can't have the ball and they can't get shots away, right? So, so to make out like, um, we could have just gone for an attacking manager and we would have always attacked <laughs> and we would have always been happy. It's kind of silly, right? Uh, and, and going again back to Pochino in his first season, like it takes a while for managers with, with philosophies, as you're seeing now with him at PSG to like get those things properly implemented. Nuno for me isn't that way at all. Like his best seasons is his first season at Valencia, his first season or his only season at Porto, his first season at Wolves. He hits the ground running because he plays a not immensely complicated attacking pattern. Yes, it will help when we have Ndombele in the team, and let, yes, it will help when we have ourselves from the team. But the idea is that, like, the idea that you should give Nuno, Nuno lots of time, like as a general principle, I'm behind that. Of course, you shouldn't write a manager off on five games, but but I'm telling you, I'm here to say no. This is kind of this is kind of what you get. I think it will get better. I think it will get better, but I think there will always be games like this, or there will always be the threat of games like this. Maybe not the red cards sending off and then the abysmal ending, but there will always be the opening sixty minutes like that. Um, and we'll get results along the way. Um, but I I I I don't think that this hits the promise of attacking free flowing entertaining football at all. Mm. And I, and I. I find Nuno a likable character and I think that we're going to be alright and I think we're going to be in safe hands I think we're going to bring three young players and that's something to be positive about um, 
but I I don't imagine Nuno sort of reinventing himself as this wonderful, brilliant, free-flowing, attacking style of football manager. And we are going to get games like this because um, the ball progression is dependent on sort of lobbing it into an area where a winger can control it and, and, and make something happen on their own a bit. So on that exact point, because I, I wanted to then follow up on a question about the specific team selection. And I completely accept what you're saying and I agree and I think that's why I feel a bit down about it. Um, so accepting that this is just how Nuno plays, this is Nuno ball and this is like the worst case scenario of Nuno ball where things just don't click for whatever reason, etc. Et and it's not going to be like this most weeks, you know? No, it's not, no. This isn't no. going to be And, all the and time. you know, we've got Son to come back in and he's a wonderful world-class player and he'll make things more exciting and Bergvine, etc, etc. Very much so. But within all of those remits, caveats, within within all of that, in this particular match, the selection of Winks in midfield was so utterly bizarre <laughs> because we've, I mean, as we've already stated across all of our podcasts, I think so far this season, having Skip and Huey Bear in the same midfield naturally makes it less attacking, less progressive, um, more safe. To add in a player who is who's good at the volume passing, at the safe passing, who is fine at the base of this midfield as an eight, as like in the role that Delhi's been playing, and Delhi's been playing it pretty well, the link, if any, if there is one, between the midfield and the attack. To me, that was... I'll say that was almost sort of setting out to be difficult to beat rather than setting out to win the game. I don't think that's really the intention. Um, yeah, I wanted to see Hill. Delhi. In- Delhi. Play Delhi there. Well, yeah, but okay, and, and bring in Hills to the team and move Delhi, in, mm. keep Delhi in that role essentially. But I wanted to see Heel in place of Winks, right? Mm. Um, or like maybe if Ndombele had been like really doing great in training and was looking fit, maybe Ndombele. But I wanted to see a more attacking lineup. I don't think this is Nuno like. Um, I don't think that his attitude towards the game is like let's try and get a draw here, of course. But I think that it's like. Um, I guess he just didn't I think it unintentionally that, was, you know. Uh, I, I just think that team selection, he he must know what that team selection is going to do because Delhi's not like a natural um, creative, like by himself, like he's not going to create it by himself. Delhi needs players to link around. Sure. Um, so you're kind of putting him in a position where that's difficult for it to happen naturally. You've got Lucas on the right who carries the ball well, but doesn't do anything particularly creative. And then you've got Kane totally enough to isolate. I mean, so... I'll talk about Kane later, but I spent 15 minutes earlier watching every Kane touch um, and interaction, and it was utterly miserable because he was feeding off scraps. There was nothing there for him. It was ridiculous what he was working with. And and in putting Winks in midfield, you're essentially saying the most attacking of our midfield players is Pierre-Emil Hoybier. Yeah, yeah. So the the thing going around at the moment is is the notion of, of three defensive midfielders, and we're like... That's obviously going to set me off because they aren't playing their most defensive role yeah. individually in their game, right? So Hoybier's job is to sort of do the running up and down, and Winks is to meant to be sort of more more expressive with his passing in that game. That their role isn't to like three players screen the defense, right? But the profiles as players is that like what you could say about all three of them is that they're all safe passers, right? Mm-hmm. They all want to. They've all um, like achieved recognition in elite football through keeping it well Hoybe not so much at Southampton because that the remit's very different there but they've all like um developed really sound safe passing games right they they yeah. they play low risk football a lot of the time or they have done play low risk football a lot of the time and then they come into this system with Nuno and it's all very high risk passes it's, it's all very super fast attack it's all very make the play happen immediately and that just like isn't a suit for like how those three players think about football mm-hmm. uh, which is not to say that like it's completely beyond them but like i don't know <laughs> None of them are suited to the way that we played, and we played all three of them at once. Yes, um, and I think that's where a lot of the fault does lie on Nuno because he he chose that centre midfield, and I, I don't know don't know why he didn't opt for for Hill and play Delhi. I thought Delhi was one of our better players, and I, I think he's been one of our standout performers this season. So why we moved him from a midfield tree midfield trio into the forward line? I'm I'm not sure. We lost. All balancing, and you're totally right. They're not defensive players per se, but their passing options are so defensive, or their pass selections are so defensive, or so inoffensive that they make them defensive. They're, 
a bunch of wellies. You can you can pay ninety pounds for them, like a hunt, a pair of hunter wellies, but you're not going to wear them to the disco. And that's what those midfield trio are. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, and then you know he didn't help himself with his other selections either, in my opinion. Uh, I think the wink selection was was really problematic. I mean, I was look, I was not that annoyed at the prospect of Winks playing when I thought he was going to be deputising for Skip. When he was selected with Skip, I was just baffled. But then I think also he didn't need to he didn't need to remove Tanganga from right back. I thought Tanganga against Sahal at right back would have been a good selection and play Roden centre back who, you know, came on, played really well. Um so that was a that was a choice that he made as well. I thought and Emerson then, was okay. I, I thought Emerson was all right. He had a tough time. Yeah. Zaha played pretty well. And I thought on the whole, he did okay. He managed him pretty well. He he got forward in the occasions we were able to keep the ball and allow our fullbacks to get forward. I thought he did fine. There's nothing there. There's no red flag for me. No, I, 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 I agree. I agree. But I just think moving two of your better performances performers in Tanganga mm. and Delhi out of the positions they've been performing well on was, was questionable. Um, but it, it didn't need to happen. He could have played... As, as Nathan and you have said, he could have played heel, left wing. He could have played Tanganga right back and Roden centre back, and then yep. it would have, there would have been a bit more con- continuity, I think. Um, Bardi, I can tell you're chomping at the bit to talk about Harry Kane as well. So we had two questions um, about Kane: Crohn's cast and James S. And they both roughly asked. They both roughly asked the same thing. Uh, like, is it just Kane playing badly? And Crohn's cast specifically says, "Are you concerned about Kane's performance?" I am a bit concerned about Kane's performance. I I don't think this is him down in tools and not giving a shit anymore, but I am worried about how he's playing and how he's moving. Today is the anniversary of us um, smashing Dortmund 3-0 at home in the Champions League <laughs> in the group stage. And there's that there's a second goal that Kane scores in that where he just makes Hummels look like a child, bats him out of the way, charges from about 45 yards out and then just levers into the top corner of his left boot. And I couldn't believe that's the same forward. He just doesn't look the same, doesn't move the same. And this is this is my concern about Kane. If he doesn't have people running off him, then I'm a bit worried about him. And he had a, he played a lot for England this week, and he just looked heavy, like not physically heavy, but he just looked like he was made of iron, and he didn't move around the pitch well. I thought he got dispossessed quite a few times. He got bundled over by their centre backs, and I thought his passing was a little bit loose on occasion on when there was a counter attack offered itself up. Um, I'm a little bit worried about his performance. He hasn't scored in the Premier League yet. I know he hasn't played a lot of minutes, but yeah, he's not, he's not looking like the 150 million pound striker that that we were desperate to keep hold of. I just think we didn't pass him the ball. To be honest, I don't. <laughs> I think that yeah. we didn't really get the football near him, so I'm not too concerned. I was yeah. a bit concerned about his lack of pressing, though. Everybody else seemed to be trying to press, and he just kind of stood in the middle. So I actually thought the same thing. And then um, when I when I spent those 15 minutes earlier watching him back, I was quite surprised to see actually some pretty good, particularly backward pressure from Kane. It's actually labelled as Y-Scout as uh, aggressiveness in terms of his pressing, <laughs> which I was surprised. And I, I could tell that he was getting frustrated because he was dropping deeper and deeper into midfield to try and win the ball and pick it up. Which he does when he's not getting service. Um, but honestly, like the the what he did get, the passes he got was so awful. It was yeah. Yeah, there was nothing for him to work with. He was getting it like in bad positions, like on the wing with his back to muscular defenders who is then having to wriggle past. And then there was like another man to get past as well. So what's he going to do? He's not he's not messy. He can't do it all by himself. And I sort of do share. Bardi's criticisms of um, the sort of lack of fitness because I thought he looked heavy as well but I agree with Nathan ultimately that we didn't get the ball to him and this is this is the big thing for me Kane's a cheat code we've got Harry Kane we've got Son Heung-min and when you've got players that are that good everything you do should be about getting Kane and Son the ball in and around the penalty area as much as possible and just let them do their thing and they will score many 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 goals for you and Mourinho didn't do it he he tried to find a way to get Son in the position where he was through on goal with Kane's passes, mm-hmm. but but he didn't get like Kane had an extraordinary number of goals and assists last year, but his shot volume was not that impressive. And I genuinely feel that if his shot volume had been higher, he could have broken his previous records for for goals. And I think the same again. I think we're gonna we're gonna we we're not gonna give Kane the opportunities that his ability merits. I, I feel like if we just change the system up a bit 
and focus on winning the ball a bit higher, sustaining possession, and getting Kane the ball in and around the edge of the box, we will profit so much from it. And we're missing an opportunity here. But is, is this where we are now with Kane, where all of a sudden he's now become a player where we, we have to provide service to? He used to be a player that could just do that himself. So he, he he's now becoming a penalty box striker. Is that, is that what we're saying? That he can't do the shots. Like before he would just do it out of nothing, create it. And of course, there's the, the exception, there's the goal against Poland, etc. But from now on, he we need to provide crosses and through balls to him. Is that what we're saying? A, a little bit. Um, but also, when he used to get the bits and pieces in, in our <laughs> Pochettino days, he would be like latching onto those around the edge of the box because we'd be pressing high as a team, as a unit. Hmm. Whereas now he's getting them on the halfway line. So there's so much still to do. And that's like... Kane's not the man physically he was back then and I don't think we can expect the same amount of um, graft he got so yeah I do like I, I definitely think we have to provide more but also if we were just doing everything we're doing slightly further up the pitch with a way of backing up our some sort of counter press I, I really feel like he'd profit so much more it just feels like it's the most obvious route to victory for us like use Harry Kane to his best and we're choosing to be difficult to beat first and foremost and I find that really frustrating but there's there's a theory that I've been working on well working on I mean as I stand in the shower and I wash my hair (laughs) football football's gone like I love number 10s like um, Baggio Totti Del Piero these kind of guys Raquel May but they've become obsolete in football because they can't press and they're not part of the 11. And it's that kind of question is, is does one brilliant player outweigh the rest of the team? So do we now have to modify our whole team to get the best out of Kane? And is, is that the way to move forward? Is, is that, is that modern football? Can we afford to build this team around one player and then have him not get involved in the pressing and the rest of the rest of the build up play? Yes. Yes, I think we can. I think he's so good that we can. I, I think when you've got a striker who can deliver between 20 and 30 goals a season, you, you just do what you can to, to put them in front of goal in the best possible circumstances as much as you possibly can. I, I get what you're saying. Like, it's not going to... He, he he does... He essentially means that you can't have a uh, an elite pressing unit. But you find way, I think you find ways around that. Um, and I don't think we are. That, that, that is, that's not to say that we can't develop it. And I think, you know, Nuno's no idiot. He's a he's a intelligent coach who has other ideas and he's capable of, of much more. And hopefully something good will come from this awful result and, and things will be changed up. But I mean, I just want to see Kane. A zero touches in the box is absolutely criminal for a player of Kane's ability. Is We have to be getting on the ball on in the box and on the edges. We have to. We just have to. Otherwise, I mean, he's going to he's gonna leave probably anyway, but he's definitely going to leave if we don't get any touches in and around the box. Fair enough. I just do have a fear that while we have, while we have a team that's unable to give Kane the ball, I think Kane is almost is almost a bit of a, a weight to carry while we have mm. this while we have this terrible midfield because I mean I I like Skip I really like Skip but Skip Wink Skip and Winks I think is worse <laughs> than um, than Winks and Sissoko. It might well be yeah it might well be. Um, let's talk about how we address the creativity. This is from Thomas Freeman who says. Would our lack of creativity be solved by adding one of Ndombele, Lacelso, or Brian to the midfield three, presumably with yeah. Delhi and Huibier, or is it more of a systemic issue? <laughs> well, it's both. Like, there's, there's. If you put, if you drop Ndombele into that midfield in place of either Wings or Huibier, things get better. Mm. Um, so, so he's still doing the like the the shuffling around, back in position, um, doing all the things that Nuno wants from his midfields, keeping it tight, uh, keeping your distance with your other midfielders. But then, yeah. when you get the ball, he's able to do more creative stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, it's just it's you know it's it's a percentage better. It's it's a number of times more often we get into the final third with a ball controlled defeat. Um, I, I think I think it will make a considerable difference um, adding a Dombley and or Celso or both or you know whatever um, both 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 maybe um, getting you know adding creative players <laughs> improves creativity. There's always I think going to be um, a a shortfall to to this style. Of, so if you think of our um, our second game against Pathos where we hammered them with 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 fast attacks mm. that is sort of and also what we saw in preseason to be honest as yes, much as it yes. is only preseason that is sort of that is the football that Nuno wants us to be playing right and it is 
sort of high velocity, high intensity, um, shelling the ball at the opposition from distance and, and just sort of running them ragged with, with a high volume of sort of quite individual, quite separated fast attacks and shots from distance um, and, and long passes. And like when it works, it looks good. And when it doesn't, it looks bad. That's any system. Um, but I think there's always going to be like some degree of, of, of weakness to that kind of attacking. And some, I think it's very easy to frustrate that style of attacking. Mm. Um, maybe more than any other. We'd accept being frustrated with that style of attacking uh, over no attacking, which is what we saw at the weekend, though, right? And, and Nathan, the other thing is. He wants to do those things. That's that's his idea. But first and foremost, he wants to control the game. And the difference is against Passus, he had control of the game because they weren't trying to attack. And in pre-season, mm. he had control of the game because we were playing bad teams like Leighton Orient and Arsenal. <laughs> it's true. So so there's a sort of mm, there's a degree to which he has to turn the dial on the riskometer a little bit. I think give up a little bit of control, be willing to give up a little bit of control for some attacking. But I think that comes through the medium of swapping out, you know, one of Hoivier and Skip yeah. for Ndombele. You know, that's that's where the trade off is made. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I think that's coming. I think that that's you know within the next few weeks we're going to see more attacking personnel as as things sort of settle and and players get fit and everything else. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think we would have seen Ndombele or Brian play had we not had an injury and a sending off. Mm. I think like the reason that I'm just sort of so um, at peace with Nuno is that I I see his appointment as being fairly short term so I'm thinking like yeah okay we're gonna have some games like this but um in a year or two years we'll move on from him he will maybe have clinched a fourth along the way um we'll have had some good moments we'll have developed young players yeah and and then we'll be ready for anything and and I think that like that's a completely worthwhile thing you have to think about like the direction the club has been heading in over the last two years and everything else like if if he comes in and he stabilizes right if he prevents the fall prevents us falling any further like if our aspiration right now isn't what it was a couple of years ago it isn't to compete for the champions league and the premier league because that's just not realistic and and when you're not competing from the premier league and champions league it's because you have games like this mm. sometimes maybe mm. not quite that bad but that's just you know premier league is a tough league even the likes of crystal palace are going to give you a hard time if you're not like absolutely on it and and you can get red cards and that can really <laughs> punish your game you know so so it's like for as you know, if we have a season that's better than last season, which I think is <laughs> quite reasonable, then we're headed in the right direction. I think we stabilise under Nuno. We we bring through young players. We we put some youth into our squad, and then we're ready for our next project. I don't think of Nuno as a as a project manager, and I think that yeah. a lot of the talk around Tottenham. Um, in media from the club itself is is pretending that Nuno is like a long-term project manager and I just think that if you switch that up if you look at it differently and if you say okay Nuno is going to come in and stabilize us then he's then he's still on way 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 on track for that yeah I think that's a really fantastic point he is essentially um Ryan Mason with tactics he's, he's a good vibes manager <laughs> he's a he's a lift the mood about the place manager um, which is probably no bad thing when we've got Paratici doing his thing and bringing in a raft of new players. And actually, I had um, had a good conversation with uh, Ricky from The Fighting Cock about this, who basically said, look, there was no one else. Like, we had to bring in Nuno because there was no other manager choice. And I don't quite agree with that. I think there were some other choices which I personally would have preferred. But I take the point that there weren't many managers out there that the fan base would have accepted as, as, as fine. And if it is short term, and then we bring in... Pochettino or whoever afterwards then we'll all be fine with that I'm sure so there's there's been a there's been a um a Nuno out voicing um on on social media today right uh, yesterday day before and I think that like I think the reaction to that is to be like wow Spurs fans have become so spoiled and so short-term mind and and so quick to write off a manager early on and and there obviously that is true to an extent um, to be calling for Nuno to leave now, but I think really instead it's fans who were not happy with his appointment at all mm. in the first place who have just waited for their opportunity to voice those frustrations rather than people who've like been open-minded, given him a chance, then gone, nope, we've had one really bad 
bad game against Palace and it's time to get rid. It's, mm. it's, it's people who said, hey, you know, who, who are calling Levy back on his promise and saying, where's this free-flowing, attacking, entertaining football that you yeah. you said this isn't that guy? Um, and I think they're right. I mean, you said he's a, a lift-the-mood manager, but if, if we lose to Chelsea and then we get knocked out of the cup by <laughs> Wolves and then we, lose to, then we lose to Arsenal, um, then we've got Villa at home and Newcastle away, then, then what do you do? I mean, well, we've already seen the problem of my my thirty eight one nil wins is that our goal difference after one defeat is now back to zero. So <laughs> <laughs> that was my big concern. Um, there, there's a problem that you can't lift the mood if you're being rubbish. You could be the nicest manager in the world, but if we lose our next three home games or our next three league games, then I don't know where where do you turn next? But but equally, it really wouldn't surprise me if we if we nil nil Chelsea because we have looked so resolute in the other matches. I, I don't know about that man. Lukaku looks pretty good. And he does. He this does. is this new Lukaku. This this one that's um, he absolutely destroyed the Serie A, and he's he's a wonderful, wonderful player. And and then behind him, you got Chelsea's midfield and Kovacic. I mean, where did he get legs from? Um, I am I'm a little bit worried about this match. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right to be worried, given how how badly we threw the towel in against Palace, and also because of all the injury disruption. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the game because I feel like we've probably not we've not delved as deep as we should. Um, Bardi, so many little mishaps. Larice overhitting a pass to Dyer, which caused him to get a very nasty dead leg, mm-hmm. um, as it's been diagnosed now. Um, at the time, I thought, oh my god, that's ligaments because it was so similar to when I did my ligaments. It looked like an impact injury, but it wasn't. Um, yeah. Uh, then we had Tanganga's moment of absolute madness. I mean, I got the first situation I get completely because it was annoying that uh, that Palace played on when Lucas was down. Although that whole th- that whole rule is is weird and stupid anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I get it. Like that situation, I completely understand. But the second one, it, like Bardi, you you hinted at it earlier. He was hot headed and he needed someone to come and calm him down and, and put an arm around him and say, look. Get through the next five minutes. Don't let your, the blood rush to your mm-hmm. head. He overhits one, or or kind of the ball bounces, and it's there to be won. And he he did pull out the challenge, but he was too committed to it already, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's an obvious yellow. Things just went badly wrong, Bardi. I mean, the amazing thing about football is you can you can trace the path of a game back to to a moment. And had Tanganga done a lamella like against Martial, fallen to the floor when Zaha raises <laughs> his hands, Zaha gets sent off. Maybe. And, yeah, things things are different. Things are totally different and he didn't. And I, I respect that. At the time, I was really happy the way he stood up for, for Lucas, the way he stood up to Zaha and the, the restraint he showed. Uh, but then you could see it as Zaha continued to wind him up and they were talking to each other and somebody needed to step in there. We talk about leaders and I hate the whole kind of thing, oh, there's no leaders on the pitch, but Lloris is there, Kane is there, Hjoiberg is there. Even Roden is a international player. Somebody calm him down. Try to. You need, you need Eric Dyer to come over yeah, and sort him out. Dyer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is also. But it was a bizarre match, man. That Eric Dyer going off is normally something I'm quite kind of happy with, but <laughs> it was. Um, it's it's a statement of how well he's been playing and how calm he's been. That yeah, it went, the moment he went off, the game did start to ebb away towards Spurs because I thought we were okay the first fifteen minutes or so, and then after that, it just kind of disintegrated. Mm. And then, uh, then Ben Davis did his thing. I mean, six hours, six hours of not conceding a goal. Ben Davis comes on, and within half an hour, we've let him free, and he's given away <laughs> a penalty. He's he's a bad bad centre back. He's not a very good left back, but he's an awful centre back. He's really bad at centre back. The penalty was stupid, and then um, the the second goal, I think it was. He he yeah, second goal. He stands off Edouard far yep. too far too much. Yep. He should be close. He should be closing him down really tight up his pipes. He's a, he's a fresh man on the pitch. His first this is his first couple of touches in the Premier League. Just get just get close to him. Make it difficult. Don't let him get a shot away. That penalty was so 2018. Nobody defends like that anymore. You, you, you see it now, how defenders, they've all got their hands behind their back. Yeah. Not even Davinson or Aurier gave away a penalty like that. It's, um, it's a ridiculous body position. And it's, it's just somebody who's just, he's just not cut out. Especially, it's always hard to be thrown on, um, halfway through a game. But yeah, he's not cut out for centre back. He's not cut out for, for Tottenham. Windy, should we be unbearable snobby dickheads about how good Edward is? <laughs> oh my god yeah he's a classy classy striker I think it's a good goal isn't it you, I mean I, I've been big on Palace's transfer window it's it's it's, uh, it's hilariously like how on the nose their window is because it's just like 
every obvious transfer that like the 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 you get shut down for suggesting on Twitter, basically. <laughs> I wanted Nathan Ferguson. They signed Nathan Ferguson two windows ago. I wanted Eze. They signed Eze two windows ago. Now they've signed Elise and Edward, who I wanted. It's like, mm-hmm. and, and Anderson, who's, you know, when you looked at him, he's, he's one-on-one defending wasn't great, but he's a good mm-hmm. passer from the back, so he suits their new system. Um, they've done Hughes also. Re- re- yeah, absolutely. And then Conor Gallagher... Who it would never come to us, but there you go. Yeah, really, really good player. But why would Tottenham not sign Eduard? It's a it's a guy who's obviously signed to be backup for the start at least he, with Benteke. He'll, he'll come in to start for them without before too long. I would have thought he's he's yeah. too good to be on the bench. Yeah, but I mean this this is the thing, Vieira. This is the, it makes it so much worse because it's Vieira, doesn't it? And we have a history with him, but it was really impressive with lots of their key players missing. Um, Really, really, really good from Palace. It's annoying how quickly he's established a, a uh, new style and got yeah. them playing proper football. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sold on Palace. I still think they'll finish bottom half, but it's they've, they've signed some nice players. It's a big improvement, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Quick mention to RR10 and Canervo, who submitted the good questions, but I kind of feel like we've covered them in our general discussion anyway. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip over those. Um, I want to talk a little about the Son situation. It sounds maybe better than it did. Like a, a couple of days ago, all the all the talk around it made it sound like, oh my god, someone's done something really, really, really bad. Um, but it sounds like maybe it's not quite as bad as as first feared. I don't like it when Spurs don't tell you what's happening though, because it makes you suspicious and it makes you think the worst. It makes you fear the worst, and they've been very tight lipped about it. Um, it sounds like Bergvine should be back for the game against Wren on Thursday. Son perhaps not so, but then maybe maybe he'll be back for Chelsea. If not, then the game after that. Um, we ought to talk about Thursday and what kind of team you think we're going to put out. We're in a group now, so what it means is we can we can risk losing, and it's not the end of the world if we lose. <laughs> it would feel like the end of the world if we lost on Thursday. <laughs> right now it would, wouldn't it? Well, do, but I, but talk about that, Nathan. Do you think we should go full rotation with Chelsea in mind? Yeah, yeah, I do. Partly because, like... You know, keeping our players fresh and injury free for 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 playing Chelsea, but also to like experiment with our options to to bring Ndombele in to get more game time for for Heal, um, to yeah to try out sort of more attacking ideas I guess and more attacking personnel and experiment with with sort of our fringe players and, and get them going and then maybe sub them off at sixty minutes to bring them on bring them on the weekend or whatever. But yes, definitely. And Bardi, you've already mentioned that Kane looked pretty knackered from um, England duty. That means presumably Scarlet plays against Wren on Thursday. Um, you're looking at quite a youthful attack. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure Scarlet starts. I think after his performance in Portugal, he may be kind of kept away a little bit. I think Kane will probably start this game. Yeah. And maybe, yeah, I think if we're... if Because there's nobody else really to play. Um, yeah, I think Kane starts. And I think we maybe we see Scarlet. I'm quite excited to see Jeremy Doku play for Reds. He's got... He's got some legs on him and some skills, so um, I think it'll be an interesting game anyway. And it, what it does do is the good thing about the Europa League or Europa Conference, it does give us a, a, a new focus, and we can forget about Palace. And hopefully, a nice win will set us up for Chelsea. Yeah, I hope so. I'm not. Um, I'm not sure. I'm into the idea of Kane playing against Wren and then Chelsea. Like you said, he's he's looking tired already, and he just looks like he's freshening up to me. He needs a bit of a break. I mean, he, he was just in Bahamas uh, three weeks ago. <laughs> True, but he's played a lot of football in a short space of time with no preseason or very limited preseason. That's uh, that's never good for Harry Kane. He struggles with that kind of thing. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see how Thursday goes. I suspect Doherty will be back in, which won't be universally popular. Um, who plays centre back? Maybe Tanganga and Roden together, possibly. I think so. Um, the most important thing would be getting Endombele in minutes. I'm curious to see how he plays. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if he if he plays really well on Thursday, do you think you'd have possibility of starting against Chelsea? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Straight in. Straight in. I, th- I don't think we'll see the um, Winks just, oh, the Winks are sorry, the Winks skip and Hoiberg trio for a long, long time. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if if Ndombele were to play well, which would be lovely, and the Celso returns and he's fully fit. Suddenly, the midfield is a lot more looking a lot more optimistic. I mean, we we've got the option of Skip or Huibier at the base. We've got Delhi who should come back in, and then you've got the remaining place, which would be Ndombele and um, and the Celso, and that just transforms the 
ability levels, the attacking creative ability levels in the midfield completely and makes us a much more exciting team. But I guess then it depends on how risk averse Nuno's feeling against Chelsea. Does he just go with the same sort of skip Huibier, Delhi midfield? And... <laughs> we could we could see a pretty risk averse lineup against mm. Chelsea for sure. But then it's it's a derangement game because the emphasis is on, is on Chelsea to have the ball and make the play, and we get to play more like we did against City. So mm. I'm not sweating too much about a, a defensive lineup, as it were, um, against Chelsea. Mm. It's 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 after that. It's like it's looking ahead to Villa and, and everything else. It's it's a lot more long term than that. Sure. Medium term, I guess. No, no, I I think I agree with that. Um, before we wrap up, just a, a quick uh, chat about Emerson. Buddy, you've already sort of touched him a little bit. He mm-hmm. difficult debut against Zaha, who we know is one of the best, uh, almost one of the most difficult wingers to play against in the um, Premier League. He kind of he handled it pretty well at times, but he did get turned. He got a bit too tight and got turned. Lots of defenders are going to get turned by Zaha. It's just what he does. Um, but what did you think generally? Like, did you think he supported the attack well? I thought I thought he did okay. I thought he did try and nick the ball a few times and got caught out, but then he seemed to learn from it. Um, he 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 got riled a little bit, but I thought for a debut it was pretty good. Um, I'm not worried about him playing at right back. I think he's definitely a better option than Doherty, which is which is an yeah. improvement, and I'm happy with that. How about you, Nathan? I th- yeah, definitely like a nightmare um, matchup. So you have so in the video on Emerson, we looked at um, strong tendency to overcommit into tackles and get, and that's how he gets beaten one v one. And you have Zaha, who is very good at baiting bad tackles and, <laughs> and using his sort of his 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 wide gate to to carry through them and. And come away. So yeah, it's it's no surprise that you know he comes into a team. He hasn't really trained. He's straight in. He plays against his like worst possible stylistic matchup, and he doesn't do that badly. So mm. like it's like it's 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 okay. Um, and I saw some Spurs fans frustrated that he wasn't you know trying to dribble his man, and that is also something we looked at as just not part of his game, and that's going to cause some frustration. And if the idea in this game was to like condense the middle of the pitch defensively, muddy up and then attack down the wings through our fullbacks, then then we were gonna struggle to do that through Royale because that's not really his game. He he needs he needs to combine, he needs to be on the overlap. We saw what we did see on the left side was Reglon would get free and burst up the left side and then he'd have one option at the far post and he'd try to make it and it would be really bad because it's just like a hilariously low percentage ball. He tried that two or three times and they didn't pay off and he clearly realised I'm embarrassing myself here so now I'll just play it safe and that was the end of basically all of our attacking for the rest of the game. Yeah. I noticed a couple of times Royale made some good runs um, and wasn't found. And yeah. I, I thought maybe that's because the the levels of passing ability in our midfield is not great in terms of switches. Uh, and he was getting a bit frustrated a couple of times. Like once he was waving, frantically waving for the ball. Um, <laughs> and I thought that was amusing because he was like, are you ignoring me on purpose? Is it because I'm new? I haven't um, done my, 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 my singing. I haven't stood on the table and sung yeah. my, my introductory song. What's the word I'm looking for? Initiation. Initiation. Initiation song, yeah. No passes until you sing the embarrassing song. Absolutely. No, that's fair enough. Don't pass to him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think for a difficult first game, it wasn't the end of the world at all. And there's a, there's a lot more to come. Um, I, I wouldn't mind him actually playing against Ren just to sort of get some sure. confidence and uh, familiarity with, with other players. He is uh, match fit. He played for, he's played for Barca this season already. So he's, he's up and running, I think, pretty mm. much. He certainly didn't look tired. He kept going to the very end, which is great. Yeah, it's just as we sit here and thinking about the game, it's incredible how much we missed Eric Dyer. There was there was literally no one who <laughs> the moment he went off the pitch, there was no one who could hit a diagonal because Rodan's not gonna do it. Tanganga, Skip, none of them are gonna do it. We we did miss Dyer's hit and miss long range passing. Wow. What, Are you what? failing to double down on, on criticism of Eric Dyer? Well, I, I like to think I don't hold an agenda. I, I can change <laughs> I can change a court. Normally my agenda items are pretty correct, so I, that's why I don't have to change. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I'm not changing yet on Dyer, but we did miss him. And we, we did miss those big shanks out wide. Yeah. Shouts to Callie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think Skip's got 
Skip has got some long range passing in his locker, but he it's 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 confidence, isn't it? That one he hit in pre season on the half volley from right to left was exquisite, and I, I have seen him hit those quite a bit for Norwich as well. But that's as the team are breaking into space from yes, the counter, exactly, rather than like from a set position exactly where there's that. ten players in front of him. Sorry, exactly you said that. winks. You said winks, but you oh, meant sorry, skip. I meant skip. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I agree. I think Skip's Skip has long range passing. Well, it's true for both of them. Like mm. they both have some long range passing, but they're not going to be reliably just picking out inch perfect passes over the top again and again and again to like to carry an entire attack on on the back of them. I don't like Winks's long range passing. All right. I think there's I think there's some technical flaws in his long range passing. He kind of he um he like puts backspin on everything. It's, yeah, he it's, does. It's weird. Uh, but I, I think his his forward passing is a little bit underrated, Winks. I think he can like slide some nice balls forward well, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't do it in the roles he's asked to play. And now I think he's so... I think he's so used to playing in a sort of low-risk, volume-passing way that that's all we've got from him now. He just needs to move. He just needs to leave <laughs> and go and restart somewhere. He is, a, he is a broken footballer, and I can't believe that he didn't for his own career progression move on I'm not sure why yeah I feel sorry for him because Winx is Winx is an academy product and there was big hopes for him and you know the whole kind of narrative that goes alongside him one of our own it would have been great but he needs to move for his own good I don't Mm -hmm. dislike him as a person but he's at the moment he's a terrible footballer there was a report that we'd asked for 40 million for him bloody hell yeah I mean that's just absolutely insane 25 million would have been a price that I would have been very happy with for Harry Winks. I probably would have taken 15, if I'm honest. Anyway, um, that's enough processing of, of this. Probably been a bit downbeat, but it's difficult not to be after a 3-0 defeat to Crystal Palace. So hopefully next time we'll be recording after a win against Chelsea and, uh, and we can be chirpy again. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.